Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and I'm here with Dr. Millicent Ravello. Millicent, tell me, what is it that happens in a rhinoplasty? Oh, goodness. How much time do you have? We have 15 minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then we've got to make this real quick. <laughs> well, I think, you know, your point, which we were just discussing, is what do patients expect to happen with this process? With so, the rhinoplasty. Yeah, and I think that that's a great topic, and I want to cover it. So from your standpoint, if I'm the patient and I'm here saying, like, tell me how this shindig goes down. Like, tell me about it. What, what, what what's going to happen? Yes. Yeah. What, what happens with this? So first of all, you start out with what is the problem? So the patient's coming to you and they're pointing out one, two, five, 17 things that they don't like with their nose. And then you agree. 17's a lot. Well, I don't think I've ever had somebody point out 17 things. <laughs> maybe but like I'm thinking 12. About, I think 14 was the record <laughs> and I discharged that patient aggressively. But you know, there's going to be a list of things they don't like with their nose. Or sometimes they'll just come to you and they're very vague and they just say, I don't know. I just don't like it. Or I wish it was smaller or I want it to look like this nose. And they don't really, they can't really verbalize what it is they don't like. And they're coming to you and asking your opinion. So there's a couple different ways that patients come and tell you that they don't like their nose. So then you have to look at it and you have to decide based on your aesthetic and what your idea of a good nose is, what's wrong with theirs and how can you get it to what you think would be a good nose. Right. And the the range of quote-unquote problems is huge. I mean, it could be a tiny little hump on the top or it could be a big fat nose that needs to be reduced all over. So it really is dependent, number one, on what the problems are. Do you ever tell them that they have a big fat nose? Because it's not very nice. All the time. <laughs> That's so <laughs> no, rude. I don't. I really don't. I just, you know. They know they have a yeah. big fat nose. Mm, I mean, when you have a bad, listen. This, you know, this is, I, I think we can make it a little more refined. Listen, you know when you have a bad nose. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Like I'm, I'm there. I got it. But, uh, but patients know. They, they know what they, the problems. They know are. what the problems. They do, are. and then that's why they're there, okay. and that's why we are there to help, and we do help. And you do, and then you try and too much information is overload, and I feel like, especially with rhinoplasty, it is such a complex surgery more so than many of the other plastic surgeries that we do. That it is. It's hard to condense exactly what we do for someone who is not actively doing the surgeries themselves. So when someone tells me what they don't like, then I take that problem and I try and simplify what exactly it is that we're going to do. So you have a little dorsal hump, we're going to go in and we're going to shave it down. You know, that's as simple as, as I can make it. You don't like the tip. Well, let's go in and we'll, you know, we'll cut some of the supporting structures or we will refine them. We'll put a little graft in here. We'll make the tip smaller. And I give them, you know, the idea of what we're doing, but I don't get into exactly the specifics, you know, Well, to it's the hard because right then detail. otherwise you have to teach rhinoplasty exactly. to your patient. That, that's and the whole they're not course. able to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and like there are people who did residencies for seven years who can't tell you we how to do a rhinoplasty. You exactly how so. to do a rhinoplasty. Yeah, so no, you have to keep work. it a little, a little on the vague side. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of patients who, who, with all of the social media out there and everything that you can see and everything that you can look at, they think they know how to do rhinoplasty. And so they'll come to you and oh, say, yeah. well, I want this, this, and I this done. I want sweater grafts. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. Need this and, I, and, I and I need lateral curl strut grafts. And I need, you know, Kleinmuller strut. And they're telling you what they think they need. But it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I, I know. They, they, it doesn't work that way at all. 
I mean, unless you are an expert, you really don't aren't in a position to tell somebody how to do rhinoplasty. Not at all. It's like if I were to take my car to the shop and I know that there's something wrong because my dashboard is blinking, I have no idea what's wrong with my car. And, and I'm you're not, not going to tell them. And how I'm to not going to tell the mechanic. I think you need to do it this way or that way. I say, you know what? Maybe you're cheating me. Maybe you're not. But you clearly are. know no, more than are. I do. So I ha- just have to trust that you're going to fix what's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but they are definitely cheating you. I promise you that. Percent. Oh, my God. But hey, God, so long as my car is fixed, so I'm okay brutal. with it. <laughs> Whereas in rhinoplasty, if you say the what you're going to deliver is a result, then how you make the soup isn't exactly the most important thing it to the patient. Re- Some really patients do want to know. And that's fine. And I'm happy to yeah. walk them through that. That's Even fine. though I, if they are truly not skilled in the art of rhinoplasty, then it has to sound like, you know, foreign language. Yeah, right. right. Absolutely. Because, I mean, how could you possibly know, you know, when I say I'm going to do lateral curl steel suturing and then I'm going to, you know, put in an articulated rim graft and and probably do a caudal, you know, septal extension graft along with some support grafts at the end of the... uh, It's It's, it's all Greek, yeah. Then you're like, okay. Okay. So... I mean, are you going to get into like, well, how big is that caudal is that caudal septal extension going to be? Are you going to do two millimeters or three millimeters? Well, I was thinking two, but maybe three. I'm not sure. I'm going to see when I get there. I mean, you can't yeah. have that conversation. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. No, but I think depending on how much they want to know, information is important. I mean, I would want to know. You want you know, to give as much exactly information as you can, but you want to package it so that they understand what's going to happen. Yeah. And I, I solved that problem simply by videoing the operation and saying, here, watch this. <laughs> and then they go, whoa, is that my face? I was like, yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. I have no problem with people watching the operation. They should watch them. Absolutely. Right. You should see how your nose got fixed. It's cool. Yeah. A lot of patients really like it. And then other patients mostly, you know, pass out and, you know, blow chips. <laughs> they're not, they're not into it. And but the those are the ones who shouldn't watch You know, it. is that, that, that operation you did on that patient is probably not going to apply to the next patient no, that sees that close. video. So nope, you know, not even not, close. It's not the same. No, I know. I, one of my patients has uh, she shows her likes to show her friends her video. <laughs> I'm like, that's really not nice. She's like, hey, well, let me show you. Then they're looking at you with your nose, and like, here's your nose blown open. It's like awful. It looks like pizza. You know, it's terrible. Yes, it's some people don't like watching surgery. It's no. bizarre to me, but no, we, you know, we're we're totally they get it. totally grossed out by it, which is. Probably reasonable. I like to watch other surgeries too, like things I don't do, like a splenectomy, for instance. One of my favorites. Mm. I'm a big splenectomy fan. Do people videotape splenectomy? They do. They do laparoscopically. (laughs) They do laparoscopic. So cool. For sure. Yeah, it's great. You know, getting all those little short gastrics. (laughs) I'm I'm into it. I'm like a splenectomy fan. I came from general surgery, obviously, not ENT. Although I did a a fair amount of ENT in my residency, which is where I learned to do these noses because we did two months a year for seven years while I was in Pittsburgh very helpful that's a lot it's a lot of ent and i did no e i did a lot of n and t on those rotations ear, i never did nose, any ear throat right yeah. i never did any of the uh like i didn't do otology so i couldn't help you with that if you can't hear i'm gonna send you somebody else but i can help you with your nose um so the other thing that you were alluding to in what happens with the rhinoplasty is the recovery is what a lot of people want to know yes. about what can i expect afterwards you can expect that you'll have a splint on your nose possibly splints in your nose mm-hmm. with us I, I know you don't Always. pack but you splints. don't pack no i don't so no packing like packing is medieval that's like packing the, the, so that's packing from another time it's like gauze like the gauze you'd put right. on a wound just shh, not shoved, shoved. <laughs> no it's pretty <laughs> much shoved up your there nose. Yeah, yes. it's pretty rough yeah <laughs> so yeah packing is no good i i don't use it the, I, the only time i pack a nose is if it's bleeding you know if somebody's got like a bad trauma or something like that right. then i'll use some packing yeah. um 
what else? Uh, they're going to expect to be down for the count for two or three days, but then they'll be kind of come around. They're going to look worse on the second and third day than they do on the first one post-op. And by the seventh day, when they come back to see us, they look a lot better. They're okay. That's good. So, and so yeah. Just, uh, you know, come back when you look better. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough. It's I mean, they all say it. They're like, oh, you should have oh. seen me at three days. I was like, oh, I know. Oh, I know. It's I know. awful. And I tell them it's going to be awful. And I try to, you know, ice, do all these things, elevate your head. You know, we have a whole battery of things for them to do to try to keep the swelling down. And again, primary rhinoplasty, different from secondary rhinoplasty, be another topic for another another podcast, another day. But in general, after I tell people restaurant ready in like two to three weeks. I think that's reasonable. You'll have that splint on the outside and or the inside for seven days. Right. Back and to work in eight, nine days. Yeah, that's exactly. fine. You'll be a little bruised. You know, you'll have, you know, more or less, depending, some black eyes, some bruising under your eyes. The nose is going to be swollen. There's no way around that. But I would say, yeah, restaurant ready, two, three weeks, primary rhinoplasties. Yeah, I like and, that restaurant ready concept because you know, people get it. They're like, uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah so yeah, I can go I out and do stuff. Yeah. Right, right. And I won't draw attention right. unnecessarily. And I would say that you can go of, to the restaurant on post up day one, but you'll get a lot of attention. <laughs> sometimes that's the point, right? It's the look, the nose splint walking around Beverly Hills. Totally. It's kind of a Why look. Why not? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, kind of wear that thing. Like, wear it well. You know what? We should have nose splints that have our names on them. <laughs> it, it's so expensive, I can't do it. For one time use, it's just, it would be awesome. It would be pretty cool. All right, we'll try it. We'll see if we can, like, <laughs> screw, like uh, silk screen them on there or something. There you go. Yeah, recovery, right? So seven days splints, swelling, some black eyes for a few weeks, primary rhinoplasties. Most of your swelling is done, I would say 80% at six weeks. And that's when you're really going to see kind of the shape coming through. Yep. By, you know, up to three months, three to six months for a primary before all that swelling and is really, really done. not really done until 12 months. 12 months for, yeah, final results. And secondary is longer. Oh, yeah. Take those numbers and triple them. Yeah, yeah, double them at least, maybe triple in some yeah. cases. But I think, you know, not until you're at the two-year mark for a, a rib graft or something. That, you know, if they really had a secondary rhinoplasty, it's not going to – it's two years. Right. And then what about, like, management of the nose in the post-operative period? Do you prefer taping? Do you like to tell them to tape the I nose? I do. I have them tape. So do seven days – you use the Dr. J. Calvert nose taping video to demo that? Because – a I lot have. of people do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's too lazy to make their own nose taping video. And let me, <laughs> let like, me just look at this, this YouTube link <laughs> right here. I have a lot of friends that use my video because they're like, yeah, just use this. Right? Just use this. Um, I do. You know, their splint comes of off at seven days and that then video, I by have the way, them tape. That video, by the way, is a thriller. It is like you laugh, you cry. It's it's really like fun at certain times. It should be. It should be nominated for something. Something. Like a, right. like a, maybe it could be nominated for a uh, technical video like award. Like sound a, editing maybe? No. The sound is actually pretty bad. <laughs> but the content, oh. I'm telling you, 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 you got to love it. Dr. J. Calvert nose taping on YouTube. Just check it out, everyone. Very exciting. <laughs> Whether or not you've had a nose job, just <laughs> check it out. It's, it's good it's a, it's a thriller. It's good for anybody. Good for all Fun ages. for the whole family, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, and Jenny... Jenny did a great job. Jenny killed it in that she video. Did. I mean, she really like she she really did a great job. Her <laughs> acting skills were on po- on, on point. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So I like them to tape. I like them to tape for up to a month, two months, mm-hmm. whatever makes them comfortable. Right. Um, and then I like them to ice the cheeks for a long time. Ice Ooh, that's the cheeks a good and one. forehead. Yeah, I think yeah. it's really good. I think you know people with bruising that is residual, kind of persistent bruising, ice the cheeks. How long do you have them iced for? 
as long as they'll tolerate it, really, if they remember it, as long as there's bruising, it's helpful. Yeah. It moves it along. And yeah. I like red light therapy for the, uh, uh, you know, the LEDs oh, yeah. for, for the bruising, too. Yeah, That's that really helps good. a lot. Yep. Stick them under the LEDs. Very key. We got one in both offices. What else do you do? Is there anything else that I'm missing? Exercise. That's a big one. Oh, yeah. I get people back in two weeks. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Don't. But Just don't do a high impact. No running. No running. Nothing that causes your face to bounce around and nothing that's going to cause objects to fly at your nose. So stay right. off the squash. <laughs> squash. <laughs> I swear to God, I've had people get hit with like tennis rackets and stuff oh, in like I know. three or four weeks. I'm like, what are it you just kidding? You. Just the, that crack and then the crunch. Oh, and the, oh there went your nose. <laughs> the other thing that kills rhinoplasties, this has happened multiple times to me. Walking around the bedroom in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. With the light, like they're yeah. getting up to like, you know, yeah. go get some water or got to use the restroom, whatever. And they walk into, into a, a door. door. Yep. Boom. Boom. You know what else like that I've seen and that I've gotten? Kids. Uh, oh, they're yeah. coming up with their heads yep, or totally. their arms are flailing around completely unintentional and they just, they whack the nose. Yeah. One of my recent rhinoplasty patients today did not come in for a post-op appointment because she fell over her husband's boots and split her head open had to see one of our colleagues over in, uh, Cedars. Yeah, and get sewn up. It was terrible. She's like, but how Look was at this. the nose? Nose was okay. I was like, thank God you did not smash that nose. She's like, thank God I did not smash yeah, this she nose. She sacrificed her forehead for that nose. She did, but she had a gash. I mean, it was yeah. six centimeter freaking. Yikes. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, so be careful. That's yeah. the big one. Yeah, um, be careful with no skydiving. Uh, I've had patients go snowboarding and skiing at two and three weeks, but I tell them they got to wear a face shield. That's still kind of terrifying. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's like, can't you just? Oh, I got the ski vacation. <laughs> oh, I can't oh, oh, oh. get a face All right, shield. Do whatever you, know, you, you need do to it. do. But yeah, got to protect that nose. Yeah, so they uh, so they wear the the full you know helmet and face shield, and they can go skiing. Yeah, and I had a guy go skydiving. Um, he went at like one week. Had to go skydiving. Had to go. Had to go. I gotta go. I gotta. Go. What, what can I do, Doc? What can I do? I was like, you can not go skydiving is one choice because like jumping out of an airplane anytime to me is like totally kind nuts. Not a bad idea. Yeah, it's just not. It's not for me. Like something about that to me. It's like okay, this is what I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna pay some money. <laughs> and then somebody's gonna fly me eight thousand feet up in the air. And then, I'm and then they're going to gonna push me out of a plane and, <laughs> and I'm going to say, no. thank you. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even imagine like going there being like, okay, this is what I need to do today. I'm going to hand you this money. I want you to put me up in the air really, really, really <laughs> high, like, like really high. And then just give me like a piece of cloth, like a tablecloth and I'm going to string it to my back and I'm going to jump out of this thing. How's that sound? That does not sound good. No. But people, when I put it that people way, love it, though. Oh, they they love, love it. Love it. They love like, it. this guy they, couldn't wait two weeks, one week yeah. after his surgery to get up right, in the air again. Right. He was going like every weekend. Total adrenaline junkie. Whatever you like. So, Millicent, just to kind of wrap it up for the, the audience who's listening, if you could really hone it down to the best candidates for rhinoplasty. Like, cause that's, am I a candidate? People want to know. Right. Who is it? I mean, is it somebody that doesn't like their nose? Is it somebody that, you know, has something very obvious? Like what are the things that you should know to say, am I a candidate for this? I think the best candidate is someone who can identify a problem for you. Point at it. Point at it. Say, this is what I do not like. Yes. And someone who has 
very reasonable expectations. This rhinoplasty will definitely change the look of their face, but it's not going to change their entire appearance. So you have to be realistic about what you're doing this rhinoplasty for. And then is what you're asking for attainable? Can it be done? And if all of those three things are there, then that person's a candidate for a rhinoplasty. Absolutely. And, they, and you have to have time off and you have, some, have to have some support Oh yeah, somebody to be That's with important. you on the night of surgery, right, right. and then you you got to you know recognize that you're going to spend some money on this. Oh, it's not. It ain't cheap. It's not cheap. Surgery nor nor cheap. should it be. You know, no, these are complex operations for sure, and there are very few people that really yeah. do them all the time. And that's the key. Make sure you pick somebody that does. All right. Well, there you have it. I think that was uh, what you had in mind, and I'm glad we could oblige. So, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Coming to you from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is Medi Spa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-644-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty and if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery, but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, And I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. If you'd like to get more information about our actual plastic surgery practices, you can take a look at my practice at drcalvert.com and Dr. Ravello. Ravelloplasticsurgery.com. My phone number is 310-954-1355, or you can contact us directly through the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com And you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800. And that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.